Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Beitza, daf Kaf Zion, page 27. So we continue our discussion about the Bahor, about this firstborn animal. And one of the things I just want to point out is there's a very interesting discussion on Ahmed Aleph about sort of really trying to figure out what the halacha is about whether or not you can check for a moon on Yom Tov itself. And what we basically see here is that it really was not clear what the halacha was. Do we follow Rabbi Shimon? Do we not follow Rabbi Shimon? And, you know, there's this little interesting passage here uh, where it says, Amar man dehu, right? Is some unidentified person says, that basically he says, he hopes that he will, he's somebody who's in Babel, he hopes he'll basically merit that he'll go up to Eretz Yisrael. And when he goes there, he's going to ask uh, to learn this according, uh, you know, to ask Rabbi Zera what the halacha is. Um, and so what's interesting here is that, you know, right before and there was a discussion about, you know, does Rabbi Zera hold that you, uh, you know, that we follow like Rabbi Shimon, that we wouldn't inspect Mumim on Yom Tov. But this is sort of one of the, it's it, you know, passages where we see sort of this interaction between the Amurayim of Babel versus the Amurayim of, uh, of Eretz Yisrael. And here we see somebody in Babel who specifically wants to go to Eretz Yisrael to clarify what this particular uh, halacha was going, uh, what this halacha was going to be. Um, and we see that there's really sort of a lot of discussion back and forth. This And even the Gemara itself admits on this stuff that this was sort of a uh, a, a well known machlokas. It was not in a, in a and going back very very far uh, machlokas. Um, so you know, just to point out sort of the history piece here, right? That we're seeing this connection between what's going on with Babel and Eretz Yisrael, and that Sakhalacha is not really clear. There's a lot of discussion around not just understanding what the variety of opinions is, but where do we really end up in terms of the Sakhalacha. Um, the last thing I want to point out is uh, something that starts at the bottom of the, this Ahmed. Amai Vridana Chazi Bukhara Habe. So Ami of Vardina, who was his job was he was the examiner of the firstborns in the house of the Nasi. And it says that on Yom Tov, he would not examine the Bahor. He wouldn't examine for blemishes. So they came and they told this to Rabbi Ami. And so Rabbi Ami says, he's doing the right thing that he's not examining them. And then the Gemara says, Ini, is this true? Did we know that Rabbi, that Rabbi Ami himself would actually examine Bechors on uh, Yom Tov? Rabbi Ami Kichaze Meitmo Habechaze. So it says, no, when Rabbi Ami would examine the Mumim, of a Bechor, it was on the day before, it was on Arab Yom Tov, he would examine them. And the reason for this was to see whether it was a temporary or a permanent blemish. So on a festival itself, he would ask how it occurred. In other words, he would want to see what the cause of the moon was. Because there was a case where a certain man who was a Kohen, right? That is, that's what we'll explain this in a second, brought a firstborn before Rabbah close to 
when it was nightfall, right? Meaning when it was almost going to be the start of Chag. And Rabba was sitting there and watching the hair on his head. Um, um, sorry, Rabba was sitting and watching his head. And he raised his eyes and he sees the, the blemish that's on the firstborn. So he says to the owner of this firstborn, go now and come back tomorrow. So when he came back the following day, Amr, so this is now on Yom Tov itself, Rabbi says to him, how did this happen that this, you know, animal got this move, that the Bechor got this move? Amr, so there were barley grains scattered on one side of a fence that had thorns on it. And so the firstborn was standing on the other side. And then when he wanted it, he sort of stuck his head right by. So, so he, he sees it and he wants it. He wants to eat it, this firstborn. And so what he wants to do is he sticks his head through the fence. So remember, has thorns on it. And a thorn cut him on his lip. So Rava says to him, maybe you purposefully caused this blemish. In other words, maybe you purposefully put barley on the other side of this fence with thorns on it. And therefore you knew the animal's going to want the, the barley. And so sort of you purposefully caused the animal to cut itself. He says no. So here we're bringing up a whole interesting thing with the Bechors, which is at a certain point it became an issue that it was clear people were sort of purposefully blemishing the Bechors. Because once you blemished it, the owner could use the Bechor itself. And, um, and, and so part of the concern when looking at the Mumim was having to prove that this was a naturally brought about Mum and not one that was caused by the owner. And so we see this finally on this stuff. We're going to have a whole Masechah dedicated to this. There's a Masechah of Bechorot. Um, but this was something that was a problem. And so then the Gemara is going to get into a discussion about how do you know that causing a blemish is prohibited? And so they have a whole learning here based on the Pasuk of Vayikra. I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but it's, you know, interesting uh, to see here that, first of all, based on this story, starting with Ami of Bardina, that first of all, this was a specific job. And it's very clear that this was sort of a highly skilled job. This wasn't something that anybody was able to do. It was something that you obviously brought the animal to for an expert. And the second piece here is that we see that sort of there was a little bit of a concern of dishonesty here, right? Like in a way, it's to the owner's benefit to have the animal get a moon because then you can use it. Um, and so we see here that Raba, you know, sort of really was doing some questioning on Chag itself, not inspecting the moon, but actually trying to determine how did this moon come about and to make sure that it wasn't uh, brought about, you know, on, pur on, on purpose. Um, I find it very interesting, the distinctions between the very notion that a moon might have been, you know, um, brought about on purpose, right? That somebody would come and damage this before is disturbing, let's say. And then the assumption, I think, or the the default would be that a moon is is there naturally. I think it's really interesting that part of the checking um, is to accommodate this or is to to make sure that you know which, which it is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, we're going to see this theme again. In fact, uh, you know, and I mentioned this to you that 
when we talked about that story in Brachot with Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua, one of the things that they disagreed about was uh, one of the rabbis, if they would accept testimony from him uh, about whether or not he, who was a Kohen, was allowed to give testimony on his Bechorim, uh, you know, about whether or not they got blemishes. And Rabbi Gamliel felt we couldn't trust him, and Rabbi Yeshua said you could trust him. And again, what that stemmed out of um, is an issue uh, about whether or not people could be trustworthy um, about their animals, because there was an issue uh, that maybe you know they they couldn't actually be uh, they couldn't actually be uh, trusted. So you know it's interesting to see that this seems to have been a, an issue for many many years, and 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 I think we could see why. There's always going to be people who sort of in a way try to, you know, uh, trick the system. It's Rabbi Tzadok. That was the question was about Rabbi Tzadok, about whether or not you could trust him when it came to his course. Right. And, you know, listen, people all over and there are very ethical people all over. So the debate is a good one because you have to establish policy even to accommodate, you know, both sides, it's hard. It's not fair to the people who are very ethical. On the other hand, you don't want the people who are unethical to get away with it. I'm going to now jump to Amabet, where we have two separate Mishnayot. Both are about animals. Both are, I would say, neither really is about the Bechor anymore. Like the Gemara seems to have moved on, um, you know, again, in this associative way. We're still talking about Yantif, and we're talking now about animals, and we've moved on from the Bechor themselves. Although I suppose some of these could be Bechor if you put them, if they were in this category, namely, Behemash Meta. An animal that has died. So you can't move the animal from the place that it has died, that it's fallen, I suppose, um, on Yantif. It happened. There was an incident that happened. And they asked Rabbi Tarfon about it. What happened? And also about Chala that had become, been separated from the dough and yet become Tameh. So they ask him, right? Like, there's a question about the chala because now you can't do anything with this chala because it's been taken. So it's supposed to go to the to the kohanim. It's supposed to be pure, but now it's impure. But you can't just. But can you use it for any purpose? You know, can you give it? Can you use it as a tool of fire? What can you do with this chala that has become impure? Um, And again, the the case um, begins with the animal that has died. So Rabbi Tarfon, um, they he says to them, I'm sorry, Vamrulo, they say to him, um, the sages say to Rabbi Tarfon, Lo You cannot move it from their place, from its place. You cannot move the animal from its place, even though I don't know, even though. I, I take back the even though. Um, you might think that there might be some leeway to do so, but the answer is no. Um, now the Gemara here gets the, you know, often the opening Gemara after Mishnah is going to explicate some portion of the Mishnah. But in this case, what happens is it gets into the authorship. That's the other very common thing that happens. And in this case, we've got a Mishnah here that doesn't have any real attribution. So the question is, is this like Rabbi Shimon? Is this not like Rabbi Shimon? And there's a whole discussion of that. I want to jump down on this Amud um, and talk about, you know, what's happening here with this animal that dies. Um so, because the question, I mean, part of the question is, of course, you know, is this an animal that was mortally sick anyway, and it was expected to die or not, right? So I'm jumping to where it says, 
So the part of the question is, what is this animal? What is the status of the animal when it had been alive, right? If it's a secret animal, if it's something that has been dedicated to Kodshim, so then you can't get any benefit from it. Um, and you cannot use it for, you know, some kind of other purpose, right? Um, so then when they come, so here, I'm going to read this, the Gemara inside. Um that they're talking about Kajim, Daikanami Dikatani, this is also where they learned the question that was asked to Rabbi Tarfun about this animal and also about the Chala. Right now, remember, Chazal said, the Seijah said to Rabbi Tarfun, they can't be moved. So the Gemara here infers from the very fact that the Chala, the question of the Chala is set up as parallel to the question of the animal. And the same way that Chala has been, you know, dedicated, has been sanctified and then became ritual impure. So then, too, the presumption has to be that the, the animal itself is also something that was sanctified and then became ritually impure in its death. Meaning, otherwise, you don't have a parallel case. Why would you be asking it this way? So the Gemara then says, just to you know, flesh out both sides, the Gemara says, Ella Tama Kadisha. Rather, the reason that we could say that the animal should not be moved is that the animal itself, the Kadisha, is, is sacred. But had Sharia, had it been a um a non-sacred animal, you could have moved it. So then that works out well if you're going to say Rabbi Shimon, and again, the opening of the Gemara debates who the mission is in accord with, and perhaps it's with Rabbi Shimon, that's a cool question. So Rabbi Shimon disagreed all these animals, all animals who die, namely, in general, he says that they are permitted. Again, the Amar Chalukaya Rabbi Shimon, Af Shemutarin Shapir. He says that they could be the implications that they could be moved. So what happens is we've got a statement of Rabbi Shimon that is debated, meaning did he say, you know, also the animals, meaning also the animals are problematic and and prohibited, or or moving them would be prohibited, or also the animals, and that would be permitted. So the machloket then is not, it's not Rabbi Shimon with somebody else as much as the later generations debating what was Rabbi Shimon's main point. And then the Gemara says, really, what is our case? What are we talking about? We're really talking about a case of an animal that's in danger of dying, right? And they, And the question is, then what are you going to do? If the owner has in mind, he's going to feed it to his dogs, he's going to do something with the meat. Um, so then, you know, then could you move it? Um, everybody agrees that indeed you could move it if it's a non-sacred animal that was already known to be on its deathbed, so to speak, before the Chag, then you could then you could handle it, you could do something with it. But if it was Kudshim, then everybody seems to agree that you could not feed it to the dogs, you could not handle it, you have to leave it. So that is, it's a relatively involved piece of Gemara on a fairly small Mishnah. Before I go on, Yardina, do you have any comment on this? No, but I think it's important just to clarify the difference between trefa. Like, the category of trefa is very different than finding a moom on a bachor. 
So just keep that in mind while you're learning, you know, this stuff. The trafa is an issue of an animal that we discover later would have died anyways after you shechted it, right? It's, it's, it's traf. It's, it's, you, you can't eat it because it would have died. The moom issue is that you can't bring a bachor that has a moom. So we're, we're talking about two totally, you know, sort of different categories, but both require inspection. Right. Listen, this is an animal that's dying of its own accord. It can't be eaten as kosher meat. That's right. why the that's why the discussion is: Can it be used for fuel? Could it be used for the animals? You know, situations where kosher not only kudshim is not an issue, but kosher itself um, would it doesn't it doesn't meet that measure. Um, okay, and one more. So this is now an animal that has not yet been shechted. It is presumably will be shechted in a kosher fashion. And the idea is, the, the Mishnah says that you cannot register, you cannot like appoint yourself to choose a particular portion of this animal on Yantif. Meaning, because the issue is that you can't divide the animal up into for different people. That sounds like it's already like a it sounds like it's div- it's conducting business, right? And that's, again, something that's not permitted on Yentif in part because of what it looks like, as we discussed the other day. Um, but the point is, it says you can't divide up the animal amongst several different purchasers, buyers, um, on Yentif. But if you take care of all of that, the registering, which part do you want? of the animal before Yantif, then on Yantif they could slaughter and divide the animal according to the um, uh, to the allotment that had been determined in advance. So, and then, you know, everybody pays the Shochet afterwards, right? After the festival, they get they get their portion, whatever, it's fine. Um, this seems to me to be, again, very far from the way we have butchers today, but on the other hand, very practical. Um, you know, you want your Yantif barbecue, you get very, very fresh meat, fresh meat in this case. The Gemara here is very short, meaning it's the it takes us to the end of our daf, but also tomorrow's daf opens with a new mission. My Ainim mean, so the Gemara asks, what does it mean that you can't register? Rebuda says that Shmuel said that you can't assign a monetary value and each price that each animal is going to have a specific. I'm sorry, that each section of the animal is going to have a specific price on Yantif. Um, that that's part of the, that's the issue. It's not just dividing up uh, who gets what. We do that at our Shabbos tables all the time. I'll take the pokey, I'll take the white meat, whatever it's going to be, right? That's a different kind of thing than this, which is, which involves the monetary um, commitment, I guess, um, and the pricing. Hey, she Avid. Um, so what do they do? Amarav so what do they do, right? How do you do this on Yantif, where you, which I think is a fascinating question for the Gemara to begin with, right? The Gemara doesn't say, oh, okay, we won't do this anymore. We won't do this at all. It says, so what do we do on Yantif to be able to divide up the animal without worrying that we're going to fix a price? So Rav says, you bring two animals, you stand them next to each other. You say, is this one equal to that one? If everybody agrees that it's equal, then they can assess that each one is equal. And then the animal that's shechted on Yantif, they figure out the monetary value based on the animal that isn't slaughtered on Yantif. And the division of, you know, parts of meat, cuts of meat takes place. And then afterwards, I suppose, is when they figure out 
you know, based on the other animal that is deemed to be of equivalent value, they'll all have to shell out. Um, but the but they're not fixing the sums on Yantif. They'll worry about it with the second animal that's alive after Yantif. Now we've got one final piece here, Tanya Namihachi. There's a brighter that says, a person cannot say to another person on Chag, I'm here to partner with you for the value, to, again, for shechting an animal, for the amount of a sela, sela, of course, is a coin, or a hareini imcha bishtaim, or for two slaim, whatever. You can say, I'll, um, I'll go in with you for half the animal. I'll go in with you for a third of it. Meaning you're not stipulating the value of each portion. You're just saying how much of it you're going to get. So again, if my example of, you know, oh, some white meat, oh, a pokey, whatever, a wing, all is, I think, more in chicken, I suppose. Um, the, the idea that you can divide it up is not the issue. The issue is putting a price on it. And that is where it seems like business. So again, I think this jumps back to um, a category that we've seen before, which is doing things on Yom Tov that seem to appear like regular weekday activity. Um, And we're really discouraged from, we're not allowed to, it's not just discouraged, we're really not supposed to do things like that on Yom Tov. Yeah, and in a pretty dramatic way. Although, again, not so dramatic since this is not what we do. This is not how we live. Right, but this is setting a barrier, a boundary here, because you know, up until now, it's sort of been whatever you need to do to prepare food. So one could argue, you know, going in with people for an animal, because no one person's not going to eat a full animal, you know, that's part of preparing food. And here the mission saying, no, that's a business transaction. That's not actually preparing your food. Right. And I imagine it would be pretty easy to come up with, we're not going to do it now, but with comparable examples of what would be the the business talk, you know, that is going to be prohibited deal making and so on that we wouldn't engage in nowadays on Yantif because it would look like it's deal making because it would be, you know, it, it's the principles still apply, even if the way we do actual butchering right. is a little bit different. Even that, even if the actual case doesn't. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the DAP on our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.